Good afternoon, I'm Derek Campbell, and welcome back to another update program with some history makes in, and I'm joined by Will Tollerton here talking about history, and this and this month's coverage is uh, presidents here, really, and we're going to talk a little bit about presidents here in Nevada and as a whole, and uh, Will, you want to go ahead and get us started and talk a little bit about the history of President's Day? Yes, thank you, Derek. So, yeah, we recently uh, celebrated President's Day in February, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the history of this holiday. So it originally, it started as the commemoration of George Washington's birthday. Uh, George Washington, of course, being first president of the United States, hero of the American Revolution, uh, father of the country, as many historians refer to him as. So pretty big guy. And he was significant right from the get go. Uh, Some of the earliest commemorations of his birthday actually occurred the year after he died uh, in the year 1800. He actually died in 1799. Uh, But for many years in the 19th century, his birthday was informally celebrated in many states and locales uh, as a holiday. And then And in 1885, Congress actually designated Washington's birthday as a federal holiday. And it was only the fifth federal holiday to be officially recognized by Congress, Uh, the others being New Year's Day, uh, Independence Day. Thanksgiving and Christmas. So pretty significant. That shows you how uh, how highly George Washington has been esteemed in the past. Yeah, I know uh, if people could meet presidents, he's like number one from the past for people who want to meet an old president so absolutely yeah his his uh shadow he casts a long shadow in our history and so that was you know february 22nd was his birthday and it was that was the date that was uh, officially celebrated up until 1971 and in 1971 you get a piece of legislation called the uniform uh monday holiday act i believe <laughs> and at that time congress was deciding that well you know people won't like three-day weekends so we'll just move a lot of these federal holidays that were formerly on a fixed date uh, to a monday and so they picked the monday that's closest generally to Washington's birthday, which is the third Monday of February. So this year it was February 21st. So that's why they did that. Uh, there was some controversy and debate at the time. Uh, people saying that, well, it, it loses its meaning when you don't celebrate on the actual date. And in fact, uh, when they did that originally, uh, Veterans Day also was moved from November 11th to uh, the third Monday. But I believe at some point Congress actually moved it back <laughs> just because <laughs> of that. But Washington's birthday is uh, still celebrated on the third Monday of the month. And now it's known as President's Day because uh, Abraham Lincoln, of course, was born on February the 12th. And he uh, it's got, kind of got combined, really. <laughs> and uh, now we it generally use as a day to uh, celebrate or commemorate all U.S. presidents. And another key feature kind of attached with the president going forward is the White House, with, uh, since that is where they work and that's their office. And kind of what's, what's the history behind the White House here? Yeah, it's quite interesting. Uh, the White House was designed and built by an architect named James Hoban. Uh, he was an Irish immigrant and uh, an architect. And he actually modeled the White House after uh, houses that he had grown up around in uh, the Irish countryside. So these would have been great manor houses and uh, of uh, the probably 1700s in Ireland. And so he presented these plans to George Washington when they were actually laying out Washington, D.C., or the federal city, as it was originally known. 
and uh, Washington selected that design uh, as the design of the executive mansion or the president's house. It was not called the White House at that time in the beginning. So, and of course, George Washington was never actually lived in the White House. Uh, it was not ready to, uh, completed. The building took, it was the foundation stone was laid in 1792 when Washington was president, but it wasn't ready for occupancy until November 1st of 1800. And by that time, John Adams was the second president of the United States. So, and in fact, Washington passed passed away the year before and also the white house has gone through it's been burned down and it's been reconstructed multiple times too throughout the history Yes, it has been. It's it's uh, you know had <laughs> over two hundred years worth of history. So any building that's gone through that much time has uh, seen a lot. And uh, the first, course, big event was uh, just you know thirteen years after the White House was completed, it was burned to, almost to the ground by the British during the War of eighteen twelve when they sacked and burned Washington uh, D.C. And at that time, of course, the the entire interior was destroyed and only the outside shell was left. The Capitol was also burned at that time as well. And it was, you know, reconstructed after that. So, but one interesting misconception, I was just, and I, I was under this misconception too. According to the White House website, people think that the White House was painted white after uh, the War of 1812 to cover up scorch marks, which is true, but it actually had been painted white even previous to that because it's it was constructed out of a stone, and the stone will weather quicker if it's not painted. So they actually had painted it white even before the War of 1812. So it's a little bit of a misconception to say it was painted white simply to cover the scorch marks. Yeah, that is a pretty interesting fact there with how it became about, and a lot of people probably are still a misconception of that going forward. I know I did. Uh, I, I was a laborer under that misconception, too. So that was the first reconstruction. And then, of course, it goes on for another 150 years or so, and many modifications and additions uh, over the years. And finally, in the 1940s, you know, the building was 150 years old. Harry Truman was the occupant at that time. And it was literally starting to collapse. Uh, the interior foundations were falling and the ceilings were buckling. And in fact, the I believe it was his Truman's daughter's piano actually fell through the floor uh, <laughs> at one point. So the Trumans had to move out of the White House. And from 1949 until, I think, 1952, it was actually completely gutted. So the the exterior walls were left standing, but the interior was completely taken apart and then reconstructed. So really, the White House as it is today largely dates from interior-wise uh, from the time of Harry Truman. And uh, that's the most recent reconstruction of the White House then is in the 1940s going forward to present time? That's correct. There had been some other smaller renovations done by Teddy Roosevelt uh, back in 1901. And uh, he, Teddy Roosevelt's actually the one who is credited with officially uh, calling it the White House. Before that, it was known as the Executive Mansion, but he started using the term White House on his stationery. So that's when it officially became the White House. It had been called that sort of informally even before that, uh, but we can thank uh, Teddy for <laughs> that particular appellation. Okay. Um, kind of going forward now, I, I got some trivia questions here for you, Will. And uh, kind of with the first one here, uh, which president was known as Old Hickory and how did he get that name? Okay. So Old Hickory, that was Andrew Jackson. He was president from 1829 until 1837. 
And he got that name because he'd been a general, United States Army general, uh, during the War of 1812. And he was fighting both the British as well as the Native American tribes in the South. And uh, he was given that name by his troops because he was such a tough, strong uh, commander, was perceived that way, that uh, hickory is a really hard wood. Uh, so to be called a hickory stick means basically that you're, <laughs> you're adamant. You don't, uh, don't give in easily. Yeah. Um, who was his ascendancy? Actually, it's his accidency. Oh, accidency. Okay. <laughs> yes, that was John Tyler, uh, one of the more obscure presidents of the United States. But he had the distinction of being the first uh, president to assume the office because of the death of the sitting president. So uh, Tyler it was the vice president, and the president was William Henry Harrison, elected in 1840. Harrison was, at that time, the oldest president ever elected at 68. And while he was giving his inaugural speech out in the cold on a March day, because Inauguration Day used to be in March, and he caught a cold, got pneumonia, and died one month later. <laughs> so Tyler got to serve out Harrison's term, and it was kind of controversial because no one had ever assumed the presidency from the vice presidency, and some people thought that he shouldn't have like the full powers of a president, but he said he did, and he acted <laughs> with the full powers of a president, but he was not reelected uh, at all. Yeah, and then uh, right here, Richard Nixon was dubbed uh, Tricky Duck. Why was that? Tricky Dick. Yeah, Tricky Dick. Dick. Yeah, he he actually, a lot of people think he got that nickname because of Watergate, uh, the Watergate scandal. But actually, he had uh, already acquired it some years earlier when he was running for Congress uh, in the state of California and some of the underhanded tactics he used in order to get elected. And here for uh, Abraham Lincoln, he was uh, had multiple nicknames of Honest Abe, the Rail Splitter, the Great Emancipator. Um, for his nicknames, how come he has so many going forward for Abe? Well, you know, Abraham Lincoln is often seen by historians as being the greatest of American presidents, uh, seeing the country through the turmoil, turmoil of the U.S. Civil War. So, yeah, of course, the Great Emancipator, obviously, because of the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, which uh, granted freedom to all the uh, uh, people who were enslaved in the southern states during the war. And the rail splitter, that was something he'd acquired during his campaign for president in 1860 uh they like to give you know some kind of catchy term you know for someone and i think the republicans came up with the rail splitter because it kind of made him sound folksy you know he came from a rural area kentucky illinois and uh, it made him sound hardworking. you know he split all these rails by hand and whether or not he actually did it, he probably did because he was a farmer in his younger years but uh, the, the rails that they actually showed at the republican national convention probably were not actually split by, by abraham lincoln himself but and uh, then honest abe he he did have a reputation for being honest, at least as presidents go. Yeah, and here for the kind of our last one here, the Great Sphinx uh, was a nickname given to Franklin D. Roosevelt. Yeah, that one's probably a little less well-known these days, but uh, FDR, of course, he was the longest-serving president in our history, uh, saw the United States through the Great Depression in the 1930s and then World War II in the 1940s. But um, even though he, he was, you know, he liked to give a lot of speeches and have a, a very great public persona, but apparently in private, he was a very secretive person, and um, the the Great Sphinx. That's you know, the Sphinx is actually a statue in Egypt that has kind of a very a face you can't read, and so some reporters gave him that nickname because he wouldn't show his hand. Basically, <laughs> he kept his kept secrets very well. 
Okay, and kind of moving on here from trivia, talking a little bit about Richard Nixon now coming to Nevada here most recently in 1954 for Richard Nixon. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so a president that we know visited Nevada, not while he was president, but uh, some years before. Uh, Richard Nixon was vice president to uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower in the 1950s, and he was actually originally supposed to come during the 1952 campaign to speak here, but uh, his schedule didn't allow it. So two years later, when uh, the Republicans were trying to keep control of Congress, Richard Nixon came through here to campaign for a local Republican congressman. And he this was on September 17th, 1954. He gave a speech at Davis Park uh, right off Centennial Boulevard here in town. Uh, the, the newspapers say that there was a crowd of about 2,000 people who showed up. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah. There was a reception at the old Mitchell Hotel, which some of our older listeners may remember. It stood on the corner of Washington and Cherry Street, and it was kind of one of the main hotels in town at that time. The Nevada High School Band played, uh, serenaded uh, Vice President Nixon, and it was uh, quite the big event uh, at that time. It had Secret Service in town that some people remember, and it was uh, quite the big deal. It was also a very hot day, even though it was late in mid-September. It was um, that year in 1954, there was a severe drought in the Midwest, and temperatures that had been over 100 degrees, so it was still up in the 90s even in september yeah that that's pretty cool that a actual president vice president at that time that came through here and visited for the city Absolutely. And it's possible that we may have had, uh, at earlier times, President William McKinley. Uh, there are some records or uh, people have said over the years that uh, William McKinley, who was president around 1900, actually came to Nevada uh, for the Weltmer Institute, which was a, kind of a, a medical uh healing place and i haven't found any documentary evidence of that though so it's it's kind of a, a legend that william mckinley came here but i'd like to be able to determine someday if it's actually true or not yeah and uh, that kind of wraps it up here for me will is there anything else kind of that you'd like to add going forward i would just like to mention that uh, the bushwhacker museum and vernon county historical society will be hosting its annual fundraiser dinner on tuesday march 22nd and it will be rather than at the museum it will be at the vernon county fairgrounds so tickets are going to be going on sale very soon uh, you can call the bushwhacker museum at 417-667-9602 to purchase a ticket they'll be 15 dollars each and the theme this year is a league of their own which is a reference to the 1940s uh, baseball women's baseball leagues and the movie from the early 1990s uh, that will be the theme of the evening well, thank you again, Will, for joining me on another one of our uh, monthly history talks here on KNM KNMO. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Derek. That was Will Tollerton here on another KNM KNMO update program talking about President Hinch's history as a whole and here in Nevada also with some personal experiences. I'm Derek Campbell, and thank you for joining me on another KNM KNMO update program.